Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. Songs from Scrubs that I pulled off, or like TV shows I was watching. That's not a bad bad set of music, right? I mean, uh, it's 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 better than. And I and I neglected to tell you that that first disc not only had. (laughs) Have you seen the past? Um, I don't think I've ever seen the full thing. I've seen. (laughs) You're like you're like I don't know if I want to reveal this to Alex (laughs) because then he's gonna make me listen to it. I make me watch it. Make me watch it. No, it it was a movie that was on HBO a lot. So okay. I, like I think I've caught most of it. Well, at least HBO got it. Never <laughs> from start to finish. Okay. Well, I had the theme song to the past on that first disc. Okay. And then also I had the audio of the scene that is the like boombox battle between the two cars in the street and in like the uh, the club district of Miami. Okay. There's like a part where they. It's him and Aries Spears in their Jeep, uh-huh. and they pull up alongside these two guys, and they're trying to find a place to escape from the from the uh, from Jeffrey Jones and um, <laughs> the actor, and uh, they pull up next to these guys in like a convertible, and they're like, "Hey, yo, where's the mad party at tonight?" And then the this stupid white dude's like. Parties aren't mad; they're angry, and then they like <laughs> high five each other and whatnot, and then and then they like get into this battle where the pests, where, where uh, uh, John Logazama and Aries Spears are playing this rap song, and then they're playing "I Love Rock and Roll," and they're trying to like turn up the volume on each other, and then eventually like they hit a button in the jeep that makes the jeep grow like a story tall, and it's got like a bunch of speakers below it, and okay. they're all dancing. It's so good; it's wonderful. <laughs> But I have the audio of that full that track on scene. there too, and then on the second CD, I have the pest, the pest soundtrack again. Oh. <laughs> the, the 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 theme song. The theme song was. Is it an actual song, or is it? I just... mean, they never released an official soundtrack or oh, anything. Oh, really? Okay. But it's it's the beginning. It's the opening. Like it's the it's the beginning of the movie when he's in the shower singing the song about himself, basically. I gotcha. Okay. But uh, no, it's. I'm just looking up. It's pretty wonderful. Like it's, it's. See, here's the thing. Is I it was Voodoo the guy, Mambo? What is it? Is it Voodoo Mambo? That's the Voodoo song. Voodoo Mambo. Yeah, technically. Okay. Chili Congo. Old school beats meets Latin streets. Something <laughs> like that. But um. <laughs> no, the thing is, I was the kid who made uh, a Yahoo GeoCities or GeoCities or however you want to. Say. I made one of those sites. To be a bookmark toolbar before bookmark toolbars were a thing. Okay. So I think when I made these mixes, a lot of the times it was just me wanting to have that playlist of songs that I really wanted to hear. Because I'm such a creature of habit, I'd have like the same seven Guster songs on three of these three of these four CDs. Uh-huh. And I would just want I like it would the next disc would basically replace. So it would just be like an additive, like, okay. These songs worked. These ones didn't. I'm going to keep the ones that I really wanted to hear, and then I can add in some new stuff. 
So the pest made it to disc two. It didn't get onto disc three and four. Oh but, man! Yeah, your GeoCities. God, GeoCities. Yeah, right. I, I had I had a GeoCities website. Yeah, but I never really finished. It was just it was a wrestling. It was going to be a wrestling website. Yeah, but all it ended up being was a picture of Stone Cold and The Rock fighting, <laughs> and like a link to the Scream sound or the Red Right Hand <laughs> or Red Right because no no Youth of America from the Screams Scream One soundtrack. I think I had like a link to or something like that. That's amazing. Or maybe just a picture of that song. <laughs> I know. I would put like I would put Yahoo on there to go to my email. Like Yahoo, I'd have MySpace and and those like all the uh-huh. all the links that I would regularly hit would be on my like IGN and Game FAQs and like it. It was it was very plain. And there was usually like a picture or something. Is Game FAQ still around? Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is. They're still thriving. I remember that one. Uh, I think still probably the number one. Well, IGN now has a lot of. Game guide stuff in there too. They okay. really fleshed it out. They have a lot of video things as well. But anyway, welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Tim. That's right. It's episode three of Alex and Tim hit on each other. <laughs> I think it's number three. Third time's a charm. I was trying to figure out what the first two were. Um, I couldn't remember. Boy. And there might only be one other one. Because I, I was thinking that Mockingjay was one of them, but you and I review Mockingjay Part One alone, and then Nick is there for the beginning of it. Okay. But I have I can't I have no idea Jeez. what the first one was. Um, man, I'm going through it right now, and I well, I want to know. We 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 are here today. Uh, there have been a few shakeups. Nick is off on assignment. Willie is uh, dealing with some. It's let's be cops. Let's be cops is yep, the one. Really, it's let's be cops. I have to go back and listen to that. <laughs> uh. uh Willie has some family matters to tend to, so we are here with you today. We are we did not go see Bridge of Spies. We instead went and saw Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak, which we will be doing a review of. We're also going to talk about uh, movies that we followed through pre-production and whether we enjoyed them, ended up enjoying them, or ended up not liking them or whatever. We can go through that as well as some feedback. All of that in reverse order, but before we get to it, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can write to us. Let us know. Let us know what you think about the show and the things that we talk about. We're at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We're Midwest Film Nerds Podcast on Facebook and Vine. Go to MidwestFilmNerds.com. You can find all of our previous 148 plus bonus episodes and full show notes. So you can skip over the spoilery and other stuff that you don't want to hear. And um, Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com is where you can shop and have part of your money come to us so that we can make our show and network even better. Um. So, first off, right at the top here, something I didn't even list. There's been a new, the final, supposedly final Star Wars trailer. Yep. Has made it to the internet. Uh, Tim, did you watch the trailer? I did. What did you think of it? Um, I was pretty grumpy last night. Yeah. I feel real well, but I watched it. Um, I, yeah, I wanted to say that I, too. Both of us are feeling under the weather, so please yeah. excuse any <laughs> coughs. Uh, we're really just here to try and breed a super bug of some kind that will take over the... <laughs> That's why we're still podcasting. It's like a Cronenberg movie here yeah, pretty soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched it last night live. It was... I have actually gotten kind of grumpy with Star Wars recently anyway. I think it's just... You were pretty... You and were I like, was so excited. Yeah. Yeah. After one of the trailers... Or Comic-Con. Like, yeah. And then I think I think the, the, tip, the tipping point was Star Wars on Boxing Day. The Star Wars on Boxing Day was... Was when you were like, nope, fuck this shit. It was a low point in human history. It reminds... It reminded me of... The Comic-Con footage reminded me of everything I love about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And then the unboxing day of 
garbage was everything I hate about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of we back. Should, we should say Unboxing Day was was the day where they revealed all of the toys that they would be able that they would that you would be able to buy like it, the next week. Or and something some like there that. were grown adults like crying because they couldn't get like a BB-8, BB-8 toy. toy yeah. <laughs> yes. And, I have to wait another week for my $150 BB-8 robot. <laughs> and then you go, like, you walk around Target and BB-8's all over the place now. Mm-hmm. Like, so it, so I guess that's my issue. And I, I hate to be that way, but it, it affects me. Like, the, because if you ask some Star Wars fans, they haven't made a good movie since Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I don't think so. I like Jedi a lot. I don't like the prequels. Um, but, I'm a person who needs to be sold on this story, I think, a little, because I'm not, I, I really don't want to just blindly go, like, I'm going to go see that, because I don't like half of the movies in this series, <laughs> and I don't think that's a crazy thing, and last night's trailer, it didn't really sell me, personally. Really? Um, it didn't, I can see why people are excited, and I think it's cool if you're a fan and you're excited about it, and you're just Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, and... I think that's great in some way, and I, and that's fine. I don't really have a problem with that, but I need to be sold a little. And this was at the end of each episode of Mad Men during the later seasons because yeah. they didn't want to spoil anything. It would basically – the running joke with Mad Men fans was like come in and shut the door and like because it would happen in every preview for next week's episode. <laughs> and then it was just a bunch of random scenes thrown in because they knew the audience they had was going to watch it anyway. Um, so they didn't really have to, they didn't have to tease you. They didn't have to tease you. It became more of a fun thing for fans to watch and just go, I, this is ridiculous. I don't even they like, they tried to, they, they, they put the most out of context moments in, in the, the, in the trailer, in, <laughs> like, in, in that preview. It didn't sell you at all on the next. And that's what this was. Um, I won't get spoilery for you, but it felt to me like they really didn't want to release a trailer. I think that's JJ. And it's JJ. He doesn't want to release a trailer. I think it'll work out because it's Star Wars. Yeah. I don't think this worked. I think he hurt himself with Star Trek on this, um, with his mystery box. I think he may have even hurt himself with Cloverfield on this a little, too. Um, I think this will end up working out for him on Star Wars. But the interesting is, thing is where they put the adver- advertisement last night was Monday Night Football. Yeah. And I actually think that was a really smart idea by them because... There are, I think that's the kind of fan you have to win back if yeah. you're Star Wars, is the kind of maybe casual fan that watches sports or mm-hmm. football, kind of like that. And I, I think the, they were Star Wars fans before. And that's why I didn't understand some of the stuff they're leaving out and some of the characters they're leaving out of the current marketing because everybody knows they're in it. Interesting. And it really, now I'm just critiquing marketing at this point, but that's really <laughs> all I have to go with. So, Well, I mean, you are doing the legitimate job of judging the <laughs> what is put before you rather yeah. than prejudging the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the thing is I do, the movie, I'm kind of, I have now, my expectations were super high after, but now I'm kind of in the middle again. Which and is that's, good. Which is good, which is where I should be yeah. as, a, as a rational human being. But... <laughs> But then there's but now you're starting to get a backlash. You were so disappointed with your BB-8 robot that you were just like, I, eh. just, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is, what if BB? There's part of me that just hopes like BB-8 is Jar Jar level annoying, <laughs> and everybody hates him, 
and yeah, somebody well, who some comedian or some maybe it was you. I don't know. Somebody said something about what if BB eight's like a super racist robot <laughs> right. or something like that. And now all of these people have all of this BB eight paraphernalia. Right, right. And that's and I guess that's the uh, that's the part of Star Wars fandom I have to just blindly buy anything that's yeah. thrown at you because it's Star Wars. It's Star Wars because there's a new lightsaber. Because there's a new lightsaber. <laughs> And part of me just goes, yeah, that's cool. Like being a, fa- I, I have no problem with being a fan of anything and yeah. supporting it. But part of me is like, watch the movie yeah. too before because this could suck. It could honestly, it could still suck. JJ's track record is not spotless here. That's true. And neither is Star Wars. So um, I'm, I think I'm in a good place right now. Yeah, you're, you you have a very measured approach to it. I do, I do. Whereas me being in the dark, I mean, I'm I'm very, I did not watch this trailer, but I'm still. Very hopeful for the movie. I don't know if my expectations are. I don't know if I have expectations. Mm. Like like I'm hoping it'll be good, but I don't know that I'm like that. I would be majorly disappointed if it was bad, or right. that I would even be majorly disappointed if it wasn't a home run, which it might not be. I'm kind of thinking my. I think it's going to be a good movie. Yeah, and I think that's enough. Right now, I think it's. I think Star Wars needs a good movie because, like, one and two, yeah, not good movies. Yeah, like Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, not, yeah, Re- Re- Revenge of the Sith, not even really good either. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe better than the other two. I don't know how anybody really feels about that, but I don't know. Yeah, I can't follow. I can't follow the way the uh, opinions on the prequels go anymore. Because actually, I've kind of flipped to where I <laughs> I kind of like Phantom Menace the best, just because really? there are there are two scenes that i like in it <laughs> i like the pod race scene and i like the final battle yeah and the final battles some of the best of those first three movies and uh, yeah and then attack of the clones i can't even like oh man millennial fever here <laughs> catch it um <laughs> attack of the clones i saw in the theater and yeah. then i watched like half of it on dvd and i'm like this You're is like, why the, am i doing this this is the worst <laughs> like this is so bad i can't believe it got released and then sith i was just so beaten up by the time i watched it that i just kind of went eh. i i feel like i enjoy i don't to be honest i don't know if i've watched revenge of the sith since i saw it in theaters yeah i was drunk but i i was uh it would have been very irresponsible of me to be drunk at the time because <laughs> i was probably 15 okay not that irresponsible i guess but i was a goody two-shoes anyway um but I feel like I enjoyed some of the final act of that movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. I can't remember. I should go through and watch them all in yeah. preparation for seven. Huh. I say go for it. Yeah. I really like some of the theories of like people, like some, some of the best of like the, if I made the prequels, this is what I would do. I think some of the, the coolest stuff for people that try to carry Darth Maul through all three movies instead of having him die at the at the end of Phantom Menace and stuff like that. Right. But anyway. Or if Jar Jar was a likable sort. <laughs> if Jar Jar was useful. I like Jar Jar. He's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever. <laughs> He's in I the new done, one. I could have done without all the Gungan stuff. You didn't see the trailer, but he's in the new one. Is he? They put Jar Jar in the new That's one. That's great. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> so excited for Jar Jar. All right, uh, we have some feedback. Got some feedback from Rick today. He said on the episode of The Martian, he said Hatchet was in fact adapted into a film. Uh, he sent an IMDb link to A Cry in the Wild, the 1990 film. Uh, he said that 
He said, I only know this because I watched it in elementary school. That's just the Jack London book, right? Yes, because okay. Nick brought it up in in the Martian episode saying that he wished that more people, like that, that there was an adaptation of it, like in film somewhere. He's like, he was surprised that it hadn't happened yet, but right. apparently it has, just uh, known by a different name and not super well known. But uh, And then Rick also, Rick also said, secondly... Uh, what about Idlewild? This is when we were talking about musical performances in in movies, I believe. Yeah, something like that. He said, uh, "I never saw it, but it seems oh, like." Oh, that's Gary Paulson, by the way. He's going to correct me on that too, because I said Jack London. Sorry. Oh yeah, <laughs> Gary Paulson. Uh, Rick, hopefully you didn't pause and write it. No. He didn't do that. <laughs> uh, what about Idlewild? I never saw it, but it seems like a sensible conden- contender for the last music film thing. You've seen Idlewild? I've seen Idlewild, and I remember you being disappointed. By yeah, it, because right? there's not a lot of musical performances in yeah. it. Um, there is one really good one. There's a really good song. Okay. Um, I think it's called like PJ and Rooster, which are the main characters' names. And I, I'll be honest, I haven't seen it since it came out on DVD. I listen to yeah. the soundtrack every once in a while. I think the soundtrack's okay. <laughs> that, that was the follow up to the Love Blown Speaker Box. Yes, right? that was yeah, that was their and that was their last album together, which is kind of a bummer mm. that that's their last one because it's really. They only do like one or two songs together, on it. and it's yeah, it's a mess. It's kind of a mess. There are some de- there's some decent stuff on the album, and there's some decent stuff in the movie. Yeah. But it's I, I wish it was better. When I heard they were doing a musical, I thought, oh man, that's like, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you hear to hear, Rick. It's nothing. I remember being super excited for it because I really, really loved the speaker box on the love below. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I never ended up seeing it. Yeah, so. it's. Yeah, it's over long and there's not enough music in it. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. It's a lot like this podcast. <laughs> uh, more feedback from our pal in the Netherlands, Yoop. Yoop says, hi, guys. Just wanted to react to your discussion from last week's episode. I completely agree with Nick. I will never stop going to the cinema. It is an experience you can't replicate at home. Uh, a nice example of this is when the Star Wars trailer comes on before the movie and you feel the mood change. The audience stops chatting. Most cell phones are put away. There's a communal sense that this is something special and that's just the trailer. I also like the point you made about seeing a comedy with a large crowd. Some movies just get funnier when seen with other people. Uh, he brings up the idea that he has an unlimited movie card, which allows you to pay $21 a month. You go to the movies as much and as often as you like at any time of the day. Uh, you pay two extra dollars for 3D or IMAX movies, but for $29 a month, you don't even have to pay that. Um, so this means you go twice. If you go to the movies more than twice a month, then you've saved yourself some money. Yep. Um, so he said he's had this card for 10 years now, and he usually goes once or twice a week. His girlfriend has a card as well, and some of his friends, like Robin, who listens to this podcast. This card enables us to go to movies, uh, for which otherwise you won't go to the movies, uh, go to the cinema. I'll also go to the movie a couple times, like Interstellar or Gravity are meant to be seen in IMAX. What do you think? Would more friends of yours go to the cinema if there was a similar system in your area? I'll tell you, Yoop. There's a company called MoviePass, and I think I've brought up before. That tries to be this for most movie theaters where it's combined with an app on your phone and they send you basically a debit card where you have to be at the theater with your phone. It uses the location to check you in. You tell it what showing you want to go to and it will load that card with money and then you go and use the card to get your ticket. I used this a couple times. However, I canceled my membership when they told me that I could only see each movie one time. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like twenty nine ninety nine a month. So 
technically I would have been saving maybe ten bucks uh ten bucks a month by the movies that I'd be seeing for the podcast, but I just felt as though there was if I wasn't able to like, like if it wasn't gonna pay for everything, then there was no point in me getting it. Why would they why would they put a restriction on just the one movie per month? I think it's just because they don't want people milking them for going to see the same like it I think it's a sensible restriction from a business standpoint. Okay. But I feel like repeat offenders of movies are so right niche that it shouldn't have been an issue. So I don't know. I understand on both sides of it. If, Yoop, I had the opportunity to pay probably about $30 a month. I think that's where my limit would be, where it would need like the high end of like, if I could pay that and go see countless movies a month, I'd probably do it. Mm-hmm. I would probably do it, especially as somebody with a film podcast. People that don't have film podcasts, I don't know that it makes as much sense for them. Right. So I don't know if it would get the wider audience of people to go. Maybe it would. There might be some people that just look at it as a, I've only got enough money for a certain amount of movies a month or something like that, but. The other thing is, I wonder if the program has any, like, family system that also includes kids and things like that. Because if it was still that would be good. worth it to pay for it as a family and have everybody go, maybe that would work out. But I don't know. No. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll, we'll ask Willie and, Nikki, or Willie and Nick about this as well okay. at some point when they're back. But, yeah. I agree with you. My thoughts. Movie Pass. Check it out. I don't know if they've changed the rules. This I tried this maybe two years when this podcast first started. Three the years theaters ago. around here not do that. I don't know. I feel like AMC might have right. something. There have been a lot of a lot of movie specific. Like I think there might be some theater doing a Spectre. Okay. Unlimited pass. You can just go see Spectre as much as you want? You can see Spectre as much as you want. There was somebody who did an Interstellar. I think AMC did an Interstellar movie pass where you could go see it as many times as you wanted. Okay. But the movie-specific ones don't make that much sense to me because it's like, you know, I I can top out. Like, now that I'm a sensible adult, I can top out at seeing a movie twice in the theater. Uh Uh-huh. Unless it's something I really, 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 really want to see. And even that sometimes doesn't happen. And in a month, though, too? In a month. I mean, I, you're talking to the guy who almost saw John Carter four times in one week. Okay. In one week. Okay. But that didn't happen. So. I guess I've, I've always like to give my repeat viewing a little bit of space. Yeah. Yeah. But, I think that makes sense. But yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really certain how those, how those unlimited cards worked, but I don't know. Not for us. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Willie had a suggestion for us that we should talk about movies yeah. that we followed through pre-production and kind of talk about what we ended up thinking of them and, and whether that... Uh, In honor good, of the yeah. Star Wars hype train. Yes, yes. So, uh, Tim, I don't know if you want to start. Well, Idlewild. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Yeah, um, I did actually follow that because I was in the same. Like, I was really excited for it. I thought it was yeah. a great idea. I thought it could be a modern Purple Rain. I would, I still think it could have been. Yeah, but it was not. Um, so that was a letdown. The one that immediately came to mind, and I'm glad Willie brought it up, is because I think it. it Willie said the same thing: is House of a Thousand Corpses by Rob Zombie, uh. because this thing got 
on the this was kind of it wasn't the beginning days of the internet, but it was when I started to get more into the internet and started following certain movies. And this movie was uh, House of a Thousand Corpses had a long like hold up before its release. Really? Um and there was all these uh, all these internet mess- horror message boards are like it's it's too extreme. It's like it you won't you won't see the light of day. And then it finally got picked up by like Lionsgate, okay. and they released it, and I watched it, and it's just a hour and a half long Rob Zombie video, <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of like it, but the the hype train behind it was like this is this is too much, <laughs> like Rob has taken it to the next level of gore, like it's the next Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it was it was fine, <laughs> it was all right. Um, the other one, the other horror one I remember getting a lot of hype is around that time was. Cabin Fever, um, the Eli Roth movie, okay, because it it played the commercial for it played every time it had the Peter Jackson quote that said like this is the future of horror or something, and it's pretty good, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all right, but they they really blew that one out of the water, and then um, one interesting one in it, and this is a this is an important movie in my life, okay, and it it's is important it the past. Yes, it's the past. I followed that from pre-production. I'm like, finally, Johnny Legs, <laughs> star Goodness of due. Super Mario Brothers. And he was on something in between, but yeah, I thought he had a TV know. show. Um, but it it was a movie that, uh, it, it was Spider-Man 3. And it was a movie mm. that came off of 2, which I love and is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. And 3, you follow it for me. And there were so many rumors and so many things going around. And then I remember they were they inserted Venom into it. I'm like, Ugh. Because uh, I'm not a Venom fan, and I and I knew Raimi wasn't, <laughs> so they inserted Venom to him. And we all learned he wasn't. <laughs> we all learned he wasn't. But so they went through, and I remember the word of mouth coming out of those first midnight showings on the message boards that I went was toxic. They're like, I can't believe what I just saw. Yeah, like Ray Raimi had showed up at the theater and punched all of their dates <laughs> in the face, uh, and and so going into like. Internet is a very, um, it can be very group thinking mm-hmm. at times. And this was my breaking point with the internet because I went and saw it with my parents, totally prepared to like run out of the theater at one point, And I went, I didn't hate that that much. <laughs> and, I, and here's the thing is I still don't hate it that much. I'll watch really? it again. I don't hate it that much. Um, I The problems are the problems. Yeah. I think there are superhero movies that have similar problems that don't get crapped on enough, but it gets crapped on a little more because it's so campy at times. Yeah. But maybe it's just because I'm a Raimi fan that I forgive a lot of the campiness in the the dance scenes have never bothered me. I think they're wonderful. That's a movie that another movie a lot like Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, where um, I remember that my friend Nate and I went to go see that movie at the Palladium the Friday it came out uh-huh. right after school. And we went and saw the movie. We both walked out of it. We were like, that wasn't that great. Yeah. And then I haven't watched right. that movie since. It, I would like to revisit it <laughs> just to see and like compare notes with my past self to kind of. I think what happens with uh, the problems with that movie are all in the execution of Venom yeah. and the script of it and the way because there are a lot of conveniences. Hey, Parker. <laughs> there are a lot of conveniences in that script. And I think people. 
project a lot of the problems with the script onto those dance scenes. Those dance scenes are completely in line with the character that they have built in the first yeah. two movies. Um, I think people, some fans wanted, when they saw the dark suit, they wanted to have Peter Parker like murder Mary Jane. And the worst he does is he, he like acts like an ass and pushes her at one point. And like, that's kind of in line with the boy scout that they built up for the first two movies. That's true. That's um, true. So it never bothered me that. And if you've ever seen Sam Raimi's crime wave, he's basically just remaking the dance scene in that. <laughs> <laughs> that cracks me up. <laughs> um, so I, that, that, but to get back, that was kind of my breaking point with a lot of like message board type stuff because I remember going, oh, well, I think it's all right. You learned early. <laughs> I learned like it's... You learned early that you didn't have to agree with the it, internet. It's okay, to, <laughs> it's okay to break away every once in a while. And I'm probably wrong, but I don't care. Eh. <laughs> so, so those are the ones that came to my mind. Well, it might just be a lot of people like me who have not watched it since and yeah. didn't, weren't objective enough about it in the first place. And, and it's weird. Like I remember reading like midnight sh- like showings in little on the internet you can just say things and they're like people were livid at the theater <laughs> they're like <laughs> booing and i'm like what <laughs> yeah then i then i went in an imax showing and everybody like everybody, there were people kind of like laughing at it that was kind of funny so i think that, i think there's also a a different mindset in between normal moviegoers and internet moviegoers sometimes yeah. and i don't sometimes i think it's hard for internet moviegoers to put themselves in the place of normal people who maybe went and saw that and went yeah it wasn't as good as the first two and then they just forgot about it what upon yeah. their day yeah they're and not I, they're not angry about it for no. the rest of their lives <laughs> because yeah yeah that's interesting yeah and then there's even another group of people who listen to movie podcasts and have movie podcasts that are yeah. aside like a small it's like concentric circles basically yeah yeah well, uh, the first when when you texted me about this idea, the first thing that I thought of was the silly one, uh, and it falls in line with how we started this episode talking about my uh, the. Uh, this was implicit from what we said, but we were talking about how I have the pest on one of my old mixed CDs uh, that I made when I was about twelve years old, and um, back around that time, I had a massive, massive crush. On Amanda Bynes. Okay. And I followed the production of Big Fat Liar <laughs> tooth and nail. Like, like I remember being on the website for that movie, like looking at the stills that they had on it, being like, oh man, this movie's going to be great. It's a point when Paul Giamatti's blue. <laughs> Can't wait to see it. He's blue on the poster, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, and I saw the movie and I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> It's like, okay, Amanda Bynes is in it. There's a DeLorean in there somewhere. The Back <laughs> to the Future DeLorean's in there because they go through like the prop room at uh, Universal Studios at one point. That's it's another like, franchise right now, a fan base that's testing their luck with me. Oh, the, the Back, Back to the, the Future, future fans. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> really, I mean, this comes out on Back to the Future Day, Tim. So, uh, <laughs> oh, believe should... me, I know. <laughs> Judging by the internet, every day is Back to the Future Day right now. <laughs> Yeah, all the Tumblr posts, they're like, did you know, today is Back to the Future. No, it's, it's not. But anyway, we can talk about that next week. Maybe. But I still like the movie. Good. That's good. It should, because it's a great movie. It's just the fan base right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Big Fat Liar. No. <laughs> now, the other thing that I, that I was thinking, because you had said uh, whether we liked it or whether we didn't, uh, I have one director that I go both ways on. Okay. And it would be Joe Kaczynski. Okay. 
because I followed this Tron Legacy was pre Alex doesn't watch trailers anymore. It was about two years before that happened, mm-hmm. and I remember hearing and seeing the Comic Con test reel from 2007 that had Jeff Bridges in it or his likeness, at least his face and like in the suits and being like, Oh my God. Like that's when I fell. That was the moment that I fell in love with Tron. Okay. 2007 Comic-Con, somebody bootlegged that, that teaser video. I watched it and I was like, Holy crap. And I watched every trailer after that. And I followed everything about it. Daft Punk is scoring it. Ate up everything about it, went and saw the movie, and it was amazing. And I loved everything about it, and I still do. Okay. Oblivion, on the other hand, when I started, this is Oblivion started production when I began the trailerless, uh, the unsullied nature, as yep. Jeff Kanata calls it. And, um, I still followed it. Like, I was paying attention to, like, all oh, these people are getting cast and, I wasn't watching trailers, but I would see some stills and I'd look at posters and hear, oh man, M83 is going to be doing the score. I love M83. Like everything was adding up like it was going to be great. And then I saw the movie and I was like, this wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah. And it was disappointing, but <sighs> yeah. Now, do you still, do you still follow movies like through pre-production up until release, even without watching the trailers? Or? I don't really follow them that closely anymore because I'm not that kid who has nothing better to do with his time to sit on slash film all day not to mention i can't stand looking at slash film that much anymore because of the terrible terrible news posts that they make that are like <laughs> well, blah 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 is coming back and then you read the article and it's like somebody reported because they felt like talking about <laughs> it today even though they have nothing to do with the production that uh you know, Back to the Future 7 is being made, but it's... Because, yeah. Like, I cannot keep that close of a... That's the thing is, I remember... Uh, Spider-Man 3 may have been even been my breaking point with that, too, because I don't remember going on, like... I used to go on the superhero hype boards all yeah. the time. And I, past that movie, I don't think I go... I'll go on there every once in a while. I think I think the closest I've come to that lately is Spectre, just because I like yeah, to follow the, the maniacs on the yeah. Bond board who like discuss their personal style and the style of Bond movies. I, I was unaware of this fan base before. Yeah. I mean, I knew they existed. I just didn't realize how they existed <laughs> and how they lived. <laughs> and you still don't realize uh, how they exist. Right? <laughs> so I guess I, I that. I've kind of given up on that too. Like I'll watch the trailers when they come out, but I don't follow every piece of like, oh, this leaked out today. This leaked out. I think with the podcast, I still do pay attention to that news, but it's my, believe it or not, my purview has somewhat widened and it's Uh not like I'm just singling out a movie to follow through to fruition. Right. It's more, uh, I hear about this casting news and then it immediately leaves my brain and I'm on to the next topic. So it's. Yeah. And it was different back around that time for me too because there weren't a lot of superhero movies being made still yeah. so you could cut now i i couldn't follow all the no. stuff that goes on i mean it was it was new and fresh then and now it's not and that's okay yeah i you know i don't know i'm there there maybe there are certain people but the thing is that a lot of the people that i follow or that i would want to follow like christopher nolan mm-hmm. nolan Tries to be pretty mum about a lot of that. You hear about casting news. He shoots the movie. There's a trailer that comes out, but it's not. Like, I feel like we didn't get necessarily inundated with stuff for Interstellar, but I also have 
tried to put on as much of a blinder as possible nowadays. Right. So it's, I think things have changed a bit, and I've grown up, and you know, yeah, I movie differently now. But yeah, thank you, Willie, for the discussion. Yes, we'll have to check back with him and Nick on that topic as well. That would be good to know. Mm-hmm. See if there's anything they followed and ended up disappointed in or enjoyed immensely. Yep. All right. Uh, I think it's that time of the episode where we get to our review of Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. This movie stars Mia Vasikowska, Jessica Chastain. Uh, that's probably wrong. So. <laughs> uh, Tom Hiddleston, Charlie Hunnam, not, not, not Garrett Hedlund. Garrett Hedlund. Charlie Hunnam. Yes. Uh, Jim Beaver, Bernd Gorman, and many other people. Doug Jones, of course. Doug Jones is in there somewhere. I didn't know who Doug Jones Doug played, Jones. but probably like ghosts. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like all right. <laughs> yeah, he popped up on the end credits, and I I thought the same thing. Like, who is he? Yeah, I was like, who is Doug Jones? <laughs> but of course, it's a Guillermo movie. You got to have Doug Jones. Uh, the IMDb synopsis says: In the aftermath of a family tragedy, an aspiring author is torn between her love for her childhood friend and the temptation of a mysterious outsider. Trying to escape the ghosts of her past, she's swept away to a house that breathes, bleeds, and remembers. I don't think that's the best synopsis in the world. No. I didn't get that sense for a lot of the movie, but in a few of those topics. But yeah, uh, this is the second Guillermo movie we're reviewing on the podcast. The first of which would have been Pacific Rim. Um, did you review that with us? Yeah, because I really... I went all in hard on Charlie Hunnam in that episode. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Okay. So go back to uh, episode whatever it is to uh, hear our thoughts on Pacific Rim. But Tim, what did you think about Crimson Peak? Um, I should start by saying, yeah, I like um, all of his movies. Um, and I've been a fan for a while. I. You like Hellboy? I do like Hellboy. Okay. I'm not the one that dislikes Hellboy. I don't okay. know. That's Lance. I know Lance, Lance is the dislikes. one that, yeah. Yeah, but I thought I thought for some reason you did not like Hellboy. No, I I like Hellboy. I like okay. Hellboy two a lot more. Good, but, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so this is probably my second to least favorite movie of his. This is a. I still liked it. Um, Mimic is my least favorite of his. For anybody who wants to know, but go watch it because it's still kind of fun. Um, it is the definition of like kind of a one and done movie for me. You watch it once. Glad I watched it. Thought it was good, um, but probably not going to watch it again. If if I do, it's going to be a long time down the road, and it's going to have to be when I'm in the mood to sit and watch a gothic horror movie. And I should also say that I, I, I'm a horror fan, but gothic horror is not m- always my cup of tea yeah. because it can be very slow and stoic, and it, this... Stoic is a great way to describe this movie. <laughs> I think. This is very much in the vein of kind of the the old Hammer horror movies and the old um, AIP movies like the old Corman, um, Corman um, Edgar Allan Poe uh, movies that he did back in the 60s. He's very much trying to emulate those and, and pay tribute to those. He's also paying tribute to a lot of like Victorian literature in this too. A lot of like uh, Jane Eyre and Dickens comes to mind too. And as an exercise of bringing those two things together, like it's, I think it's kind of amazing. Like I, I loved, I loved looking at it 
and I loved be watching the movie, and I wanted to live in that castle, despite the fact that it was going to crumble at any moment. <laughs> it's, it's gorgeous and it's beautiful, and if you were if you're gonna see this, uh, try to see it in a theater. I think because I think it adds a lot to it. Um, yeah. Because it really is, it's for your senses, a lot of it. Um, but those movies that I brought up, especially the Hammer, especially the horror movies I'm thinking of, and I think that's a lot of people's mindset going into this, is that it's going to be a horror movie. Those movies had the good sense to be around 90 minutes long. Yeah. And this is just, you can tell, and this is part of the reason why I love him as a filmmaker, because he falls in love with the genre of movie he's making. And he lo- he loves making this kind of movie and he loves both of those things. Um, this is, feels like he was, I, I guess, <laughs> I don't know how to put this. It, it, it feels at times like it's written by a goth girl. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, it, it feels like someone who kind of, who like shops at hot topic. <laughs> and I think that's cool. And, and I think it's, it's neat to see. And he, how did you feel about Juno? <laughs> I like Juno. I'm pretty sure Diablo Cody shops at Hot Topic. Does she? I don't know. Probably. Oh, Juno's one that got overhyped so much, and then the backlash happened, mm. and then I watched it, and I went, I kind of liked it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, full circle. Full circle. So you can have that, too. But um, go for this. I, I I like the performances. I thought everybody was solid. Uh, Tom Hiddleston's great. Jessica Chastain is great. Um, Jim Beaver, who is from Supernatural, and I did not know. Like I went, is that Jim Beaver? And I'm like, no way did he get cast in this movie. <laughs> like I didn't I didn't see it coming. And he's really good as the uh, as the father. Um, yeah, was totally a Supernatural fan. Oh, he totally is. Yeah, he's totally is because he was sitting on his couch watching every week. I'm and sure. He, and I love Supernatural and. But I know the fan base of Supernatural will eat this movie up yeah. because there are <laughs> – it's a lot of um, – well, it, they have a lot of female fans. And I think this is a – I think a lot of it is a very female-geared um, horror movie in this as well. Um, I, think it's, I think it's really cool. I liked it. I didn't love it because I do think it's rather it's, – it, there is no humor in this movie. Yeah. Um, the ghosts aren't – great they're not meant to be but it it's he even says at the beginning the ghost it's not a ghost story it's a story with ghosts in it yeah and he spells it out at the beginning he he does a nice uh, thinking about it more i liked a lot of the metaphors in this movie we can get in that in the spoilers um i liked a lot of it and that's another reason why i like him because most of the movies have that kind of stuff to cling on to and go back if you do want to repeat watch it i think it's i don't want to dislike a horror movie that i think is has this much going on uh, metaphorically, and is this beautiful to look at? So, because you don't get a lot of those um, made with this kind of talent. So, overall, liked it, didn't love it, would recommend it to the right person. Okay. Um. Yeah, I have not seen a lot of Guillermo movies. I'm fairly certain I haven't seen any Guillermo horror. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen Kronos, The Devil's Backbone, Pan's Labyrinth, which I know a lot of people would probably crucify me over, but I'll get around to it someday, hopefully. Um, so this was kind of a, a first for me, but it's I didn't love it. I wasn't a big fan, and and I agree that it's a gorgeous movie. It's very beautiful. The fact that that castle, that that mansion was built for this movie, like honestly, it feels like it could have been around since the eighteen, the fifteen, like the 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 seventeen hundreds. As it probably, like, whatever, whenever it was built in the, like, it, 
it felt lived in and it felt like it was torn it didn't feel like it was opened up to have leaves fall into it it felt like it was real like it felt like it had decayed and the amount of care that he puts into making a set like that is awesome and it's something that i don't think a lot of people necessarily do um and i think it's good because in the beginning of the movie when she's not necessarily like when she's kind of moving around the city like right at the very start i was like this feels too like i like i almost needed some grit on the screen in order to believe that it was olden days which is kind of a weird paradigm the digital look of it is very off-putting in a movie like this absolutely i kind of agree with you there but i think once my brain was like okay i've seen these old victorian homes and and it like I see her living in this home and it starts to feel more lived in and more realistic and I and 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 the kind of veneer gets stripped away and I kind of am allowed to live into it live live in it a little bit more. So I I enjoy it in that respect and I think everybody who's involved does a fantastic job. But this movie doesn't really feel like it's necessarily special. Like it doesn't seem like there's I know that there's a lot of metaphor with the ghosts, but it's very overt about that and how you say he kind of calls it out in the beginning of the movie. I feel like that happens with a fair amount of the thematic material in this movie, and I don't really appreciate that. And I don't feel like the... Other than calling it out, I don't know how much the movie communicates to me that those metaphors are what they are. Like... Mm -hmm. If he if he stripped out that overtness, I don't know that I would necessarily call it out. Other than thinking, "Oh, hey, it's about ghosts. Ghosts are about your past." Blah blah blah. Which I think is a problem. I wish there was a little bit more showing how those ghosts manifested themselves because of the past of the characters that they're around. Right. And uh, so that was a little bit disappointing to me. And um, I don't. This is this is a poor reason to knock this movie, but I don't necessarily know why he would choose, why he would really, really, really want to make this movie over everything else that he ever that he always has on his plate at the time. Something like Pacific Rim, I was like, all right, somebody's giving him enough budget to go and make this crazy over the top movie. I get why he wants to make it. This movie, I look at it and I'm like. I feel like there's more interesting stuff on his plate at the time, you know? Yeah, I almost wonder. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure by watching this, he's a fan of the types of movies that he's emulating. That's, that's got to be it, it. And I know he's he's toyed around with remaking Frank, or remaking Frankenstein, and he's toyed around with a lot of Lovecraft uh, movies. And I don't know if maybe this is just one that he felt that he had the uh, the best opportunity to make at this point or if he just really fell in love with it and because his last um don't be afraid of the dark is that the one that he had his name on as a producer i think a few years back uh, are you thinking of mama uh, he had mama on there too but I, I think he had don't be afraid of the dark on Maybe. there as a producer and it's and it's a little similar it's kind of a it's very much a ghost story and i i almost feel like he's been toying around with this for a while now and i almost feel like he the um the kind of Victorian literature aspect of it too, that I think is throughout so much the, the love story between um, Tom Hiddleston and Mia 
Vaskowski. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, if you look at his in development on IMDb, he's got uh, The Witches, At the Mountains of Madness, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, The Haunted Mansion, Frankenstein. Right. All of these are on his plate. So it's clearly something that he cares about, but I don't know what about this movie was like, I really want to go and make this. Like, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't have that. It doesn't even necessarily feel super Guillermo to me. I almost I feel, feel like maybe that's why, because it's such a different, it's such a departure from, especially Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim's a teenage boy movie. This well, is a totally. teenage girl movie. You know what I mean? That's like, this fair. Is, yeah, and I almost feel like maybe this was that's why. And maybe that's the, yeah. May, so so maybe it's him kind of broadening his horizons and stretching muscles a little bit. And right. Getting out, which that you know, the fact that it's not a Guillermo movie isn't necessarily a bad thing because it's not like um, it's good when people can come out kind of because I I don't know why, but I'm thinking about like David Wayne, David Wayne making like role models. Mm-hmm. Role models isn't it doesn't it's got things that make it feel like a David Wayne movie, but it's not it's not wet hot. It's not wanderlust. It's not they came together. It's yeah, David Wayne and uh, Guillermo working within like kind of a studio system. Yeah, and yeah. So, uh, I guess I can appreciate that, but but at the same time, I guess it's not what I want out of Guillermo. So it's it's not fair of me to fault him or the movie for it. But I just didn't like it as much as I wanted to. Right. Yeah, and I think that was I, I came <sighs> out of it feeling kind of similar in a way. Uh, but then I went. I, I feel I feel bad because I'm I, I feel like I'm grading him on a curve. Too. I mean, I feel like I'm grading yeah. him against his past stuff. And when I take a look at this and I compare it against like other movies that I, the genre of movie that I like and the genre of movie that this is in, I I think it's a lot better than um what normally is put out there. I, I, maybe better is not the right word, but a lot maybe with a lot more skill, skill like and a, care and yeah. That's yeah, yeah. No, I think that's totally that makes sense. With where with where I'm ending up and thinking that I'm not allowed to fault him for it, and you kind of thinking like, yeah, I'm grading him on a curve. I think that. But I I do think it. I mean, it's fair to a point. I mean, this has a lot in common with um, the one I think of as the Devil's Backbone, um, because it's also kind of a ghost story. Yeah. And well, it is a ghost story, not kind of. <laughs> and <laughs> it has a lot, but it, the Devil's Backbone does a much better job of, I think, um, getting across its themes. Okay. In, a, in, a, in the metaphors, in an effective it has. way. Yeah. In an effective way, I think it's a, it, it's a better film um, than this one, but it, it does have a lot in common with it. I think. Okay. Maybe so, I should go back and watch The Devil's Backbone. And... Yeah, I would. Um, well, yeah, I would watch his Spanish language movies. I, I would definitely watch. If I were you, I'd definitely watch Pan's. Yeah. That's another one that's kind of a fantasy horror. I've had people telling me to watch Pan's Labyrinth since two thousand six. Yeah. So. I should probably get. But that might be the first one I would watch, and then I would, yeah, probably go into Backbone. Okay. Yeah, and Chronos. All right. Uh, any final thoughts before Spoiler Terry? No, let's spoil it. All right. We'll be right back in Spoiler Terry for Crimson Peak. Mother, and that you're visiting us on Crimson Peak. Tim, spoiler terry for Crimson Peak. What did you, uh, do you have anything you want to talk about in particular? Yeah, it's two hours long. Yeah. And I can tell you where I, what I would cut out of this. All right. 
one Brass of the tax. <laughs> one of the 15, Tim's studio notes. One of the fifteen scenes where she walks down and reaches for a doorway slowly <laughs> as it rattles. Um, it didn't really add that much to the atmosphere at that point because it happens a few times in yeah. this, and the ghosts are kind of the ghosts are there to move the plot along, and it's okay, but. <laughs> They're not really spooky or scary. That's something yeah. that I wanted to say is that I wasn't really scared of this movie. And I kind of was thinking that it was me, like, me. I see horror movies in a very different light because I no longer think I'm going to be scared about them. Like, scary movies to me are like funny games. Yeah. Funny games is terrifying. Yeah. But it's not terrifying because of jump scares necessarily or, or, um, gore necessarily uh it's more about being in your head so when i come to a a a horror movie like this i don't necessarily think that these things are going to scare me but on top of that the fact that the same trope is being utilized in multiple ways um and not to like different effect in most of the ways i think hurts like it 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 doesn't it does not but at the same time i think the ghosts are did you like the ghosts? Yeah. Okay. I think they look fantastic. Okay. The like sinewy, like weird, and the crimson feeling to the ones at Crimson Peak and like the dark version of Hermont. And like, I think they look great to me up until like the Tom Hiddleston ghost, which just kind of looks like makeup Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> that also, though, is a, I think it's very much in line because. I don't want to. It's a, it's a callback to, to the Devil's, Devil's Backbone. Backbone. Yeah, the, according because to the, IMDb. the ghosts are very similar in look, uh, and and I think it looks really cool, but it it feels like a different ghost than the rest of the ghosts in the movie. Which yeah, I don't know how the ghosts develop in the Crimson Peak uh, universe, but right. But well, in the Devil's Backbone, he's used that way to kind of look innocent because he's a younger boy. Okay, and I think that's kind of what he was going for with Tom Edelson's character is kind of an innocence with him because he was corrupted as a child in this sense. movie. So I think that's what he was going for there. Okay. Um, but I also wanted to say I on 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 your topic with him having the same scene, like the same reaching for the doorway. I read on IMDb that he had uh, he finished the script, but when he was on set, he kept thinking of more scenes to film. Okay. It feels like that. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> the two yeah. hours of this movie is a result of that right. feeling, I think. This, and that's, I guess, the maybe the negative part of it is he, it feels like someone who fell in love with the universe they created. And that's cool. It's not, a, not a problem. Not a bad thing. But, but there's nobody there to rein them in. It, and, this could use some edits. Yeah. Um, this feels... I liked it. If, in a weird way, it felt like... Um, the second half of Death Proof is what I kept thinking, where it's it's Guillermo kind of playing in that sandbox, but making it his own, okay. playing in the same sandbox, um, unlike like the first where it was just a straight-up remake. So I like that. Um, the metaphor that I did like, I did want to touch on it, it's the, the moth and butterfly metaphor. Mm. I thought that was really good. Um, the, the moths, they talk about how the butterfly is like the beauty in the world and the moths eat away at it. And the moths are kind of like um, Tom Hiddleston and Jessica Chastain, and she's the beautiful butterfly. And she's she's very creative, and she's independent. And the what I liked is when she gets to um, his castle, there's the big machine there, too, that, that's kind of trying to keep the castle up and trying to ra- keep her in and kind of maybe like trying to suck away at her creativity and independence by yeah. – 
chaining her to these two people. And I really liked that. And I thought that fit in line with a lot of um, the movies he was trying, the movies and books he was trying to he even calls out, I think um, Jane Austen at one point. And, but this, the, the, that industrial um, taking over the old ways is kind of, it pops up a lot in that kind of literature yeah. as well. So I really liked that. Um, I also liked that there are some very cool stabbings. That's what we, yeah. Like they get stabbed, like someone gets stabbed in the face. That's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> like, and it's it, difficult. There, like, it, it is on it. There are, and the scene where he, she kills Jim Beaver, her dad, yeah. is brutal. And yeah. it's so effective. Those are the mo- those are some of what I felt was the most Guillermo, where yep. the, the 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 violence in the movie was very very brutal. Yeah, in a, in a lot of ways. I loved a couple. I that scene. Well, it, I mean, it sh- it kind of shocked me yeah. uh, when he because he does the uh, kind of the close up on the guy, the gash in his face when he's yeah. done it. I just went whoa. Yep. <laughs> because no. up until that point, it was very very dry. Yeah. Even the even Tom Hiddleston removing the yeah the the knife from his face was like oh that looked good Jesus too. <laughs> um the performances what did you think because I actually liked Hunnam for the role he was cast in in this as kind of the American I don't think I was in love with Hunnam in Pacific Rim like a few people were but I did enjoy him in this movie it uh-huh. worked for me in a lot, in a lot of ways. I think he, uh, it seemed like, an, and, and I would be interested to go and watch him in something like Sons of Anarchy, where I feel like he's, it's a very different role, obviously, but he's still kind of like, I don't know, I shouldn't say anything about it, because I know nothing about it, okay. but uh, I did enjoy Charlie Hunnam. I enjoyed pretty much everybody who was in the movie. I did too. I thought, so, yeah. I thought he was a nice um, balance to... Him and Hiddleston play off each other well. Yes, I think, and I think it's love, love interest. The 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 moment between them when Hiddleston is about to stab him, I think, is a really beautiful moment too. I enjoy it. I like that a lot. How Hiddleston kind of tips him off. He's like, "It's either me or her, and you're the doctor. Tell me where to stab you." Like, yeah, that was really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, gosh, other than that. I guess we. Uh, this is a big. It seems to be a big time right now for incest in entertainment. <laughs> like it seems to be happening all over the place. Yeah, uh, lots of repressed sexual feelings <laughs> in uh, writers nowadays. I guess I'm not sure how I felt about it in this one. It there is a Hammer movie, an old Hammer horror movie called like Demons of the Mind that is just straight up. I think I think um it's an it's about a brother and sister who are kind of obsessed with each other. And I, I'm betting he's seen it. And, <laughs> um, I was thinking about Flowers in the Attic. Flowers in the reason. Attic? Yeah. Uh, you've probably seen that, too. I'm guessing Guillermo's seen most things. <laughs> Guillermo's seen everything. I I don't know how I felt about it because it's a weird thing that they play off as a reveal at the end of the movie that's kind of subtext the entire time. You kind of get it. Like, you kind of, you kind of, I kind of figured it was that way anyway. To me, it almost feels needless, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, I don't... Because I could understand the... I could understand the trauma that they experienced as children could drive them to be close without necessarily being incestuous. Yeah. And I feel like that's another step that the movie had to go to, like... 
I don't know. I think I think uh Edith had enough of a reason to not want to be with him anymore and that it just didn't necessarily serve a great purpose for them to be right incestuous but I I I was torn on it because it is I don't know. It makes sense. I plot yeah, wise, I, I think I, I could I I buy it. Right. I buy but it. But I bought it I before just, the reveal. I just don't know what the purpose of it right. was necessarily, but I don't know. I guess characters can have flavor without it having a purpose. Right. <laughs> so but. that's it for me. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have too much more to say. I didn't hate the movie, but I didn't love it. Tim seems like he would recommend it to some people. Yeah. Um yeah. Guillermo fans, fans of gothic horror, maybe even fans of... Yeah, that's another thing. Why would anybody live in a Victorian house? Right. <laughs> like, the first scene of her and her mother, like, coming in, I was like, of course this house is fucking haunted. Like, why right. do you live here? There's no reason. And, and everything's bleeding. There's yeah. Walls, it, it, there's stuff. You step on the floor and it bleeds. I'm sorry. I'm never coming back. Like... It's the, um, it's the Lex Luthor from Superman Returns plan. Where he, in Superman Returns, Lex Luthor's plan is to start his own, like, he's take over the world with his own, like, island or whatever. Yeah. And the island is just full of jagged rocks that, like, nobody would ever <laughs> want to live on. Like, I'd there. rather kill myself than live on your island, Lex. <laughs> so, it, yeah, there that did stretch some believability there. Yeah. But it, that's just some, that's part of my not enjoying gothic horror slash... <laughs> You know, Victorian, I don't know, Victorian architecture is ugly to me. But never a fan of the Adams Family. No? No, not really. <laughs> don't know if you could tell by my thoughts on that matter, but I don't know. Beetlejuice I like is a lot good, of the, though. Yeah. I like the vats. Yeah, yeah the vats of the of the clay. Of the clay were really beautiful looking. And I like the, uh, I really like the, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the thing that played the music. Uh, oh, the like the gramophone? The gramophone, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, because I, I, I knew of those, but I thought it was just cool. Yeah, and that's yeah. a detail that I love that he put in. Totally, totally. Like all I could ever think about with those, though, um, those that's called a Victrola. It's it's a wax cylinder mm-hmm. that has the grooves on it, like a vinyl record does. There's a there's a I think it was a planned blooper, but it's somebody some old dude on Tech TV brought one for like show and tell on some segment, basically, and he's like talking about how rare and priceless it is, and then he crushes it and it falls <laughs> to pieces, and he's just like fuck. Shit. <laughs> it's great. Look it up. Say old man Victrola. It's probably there. Yeah. Ah, Tech TV. Yeah, right? Oh, talking. Tech TV and GeoCities on this <laughs> yeah. podcast. We're, That's we're, what we're going to talk about. We're cutting the edge of uh, of technology. <laughs> man. All right. Well, Lizzie's barking, so it's time, time to, to the episode. What's on the Game Nerds this week? Uh, game Nerds. Let's... Lizzie, come here. That was absolutely terrifying, because Lizzie was just barking at the at the little side door, like somebody was there. Someone's there. And I went to go turn the corner and like was expecting to see somebody. There. Ex- exciting! I can't wait to go outside. <laughs> uh, game nerds. Game nerds. This week we are going to talk about Until Dawn. Yes, that's supposed to happen this weekend. Um, so check that out probably next Monday. I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I. At some point, need to sit down and talk about some Super Mario Maker. Mario Maker, which I played a little more of. Yeah. I would like to, yeah. 
Um, and then I think Gojo and I also need to sit down. I think we're going to try and Skype Rick in. I might try and Skype Rick in for the Super Mario Maker talk because I know he's been playing it Has as it? well. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but we're also going to try and Skype Rick in and do like a spoiler cast for Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. So keep an eye out for those things. Uh, remember to take a look. I talked about this on Game Nerds. Can't remember if I talked about it on Film Nerds or not. Uh, we The Midwest Game Nerds is donating a Retron 5, which can play Super Nintendo, Nintendo, Famicom, Sega, Genesis, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games, all through HDMI on your television. Uh, we are giving one of those away as a part of his Extra Life charity stream. He's going to be playing video games um he being greg seward from the player one podcast he's going to be playing video games for 24 hours straight for charity so please go check that out i think he's at uh one thousand dollars out of his three thousand dollar goal and every five dollars enters you into a raffle to win some pretty awesome prizes one of which is the retron five that we're donating so please go check that out go to extra hyphen life.org and search for greg seward s-e-w-a-r-t um yeah all that other stuff feedback at midwestfilmers.com at mfn podcast on instagram and twitter um amazon at midwestpodcastnetwork.com tim yeah thank you for being here no problem um later this week i think nick and i might try to put out a little part two episode um because this was only supposed to be half an episode but it's really (laughs) a full episode so we're gonna try and put out a review of uh steve jobs um so keep an eye out for that. But next week, I don't really know what we're going to do. I think it's probably, it has to be The Last Witch Hunter. Is that next week? That's next week. Oh! Yeah. So I'm, I'll be there. Tim's excitement means that we must review it. Because <laughs> I think the world needs to hear it's what you think It's the movie that it. got Michael Caine out of retirement, everybody. <laughs> Vin Diesel has saved us. There you go. Aw. Oh. Yes. Follow Vin on Instagram. Vinstagram. That's true. Vinstagram. It's Vinstagram. another. It's a separate app. It just brings you pictures Vin- straight from Vin Diesel. Vinstagram and Vinbook. Picture, <laughs> pictures of him reacting to people body shaming him. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Poor guy. All right. Uh, yeah. That's about it. Kyle X Y. Go watch a movie. <laughs>